Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now before we get started on the good stuff, I wanted to encourage you to go check out the last Sunday edition, especially all about um, the influences, the unique influences of really two shows, but like just the possibility of unique influences from places you didn't think, especially in things like Shonen Jump properties. So definitely go check that out. You should also go check out the la- the third entry of Movie May, which is all about One Piece Film Z, which I had a lot of fun watching and talking about. And that brings us to the awfully close call that I'm having with our entry, our last entry for Movie May. I think I've actually done an episode on this, so... I guess we could technically call this a rewind scenario. Um, for those of you who don't remember, that's my excuse to talk about things more than once because they keep being interesting to me. Um, but the subject of today's um, podcast is a little movie from 1992. And that movie is Porco Rosso. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Studio Ghibli way of doing things, or maybe you're familiar with Studio Ghibli's more traditional animated movies. Something like, the reason why I'm saying traditional animated movies, I'm saying they're more aimed at all ages. So if you look at something like, say, Spirited Away, or you look at something like um, the, the Yamadas or My Neighbor Totoro, those are very, take your kid to this movie, don't worry about it. Like, family-friendly. These are the movies that got that got them the Disney partnership, basically. Um, but Studio Ghibli has been doing, for years, what everybody, what everybody who watches anime knows is true of anime. Um, they have been making... Animated entertainment, not just for children, but for, like, everybody. And that includes some animated feature films that are just not for kids. Like, just, like, maybe for older teens, but also, like, movies that are for straight-up adults. And require a lot of, um, foresight and knowledge 
of the world that you would have as an adult to just like sit and watch them. But they're also very calming and very they're very they have a kind of Iyashke quality to them regardless of what you watch. The two best um examples of this are actually I I believe um this film, Pocoroso or Porcoroso, and a little made for TV movie that they did called Ocean Waves, which like Ocean Waves is just a vibe movie. Like just they just let Studio Ghibli make a weird vibe movie about like kind of liking a girl in the middle of summer in, like, mid-90s Japan. It's really weird. I love it. I love that movie to death because, like I said, it's entirely vibes. I've actually used content from that movie over on my um, Instagram, which, incidentally, if you guys want to follow along with the podcast and all that other fun junk. I actually restarted the Instagram. The My Instagram account for the podcast is called Lunchbox. I think it's called Lunchbox underscore podcast. Um, but definitely go check that out. But I... I love I love Ocean Waves. I will kind of always love Ocean Waves. It's, it's a nice, like relaxation movie and I hadn't seen Pocoroso in a while but I always forget that Pocoroso is also a really nice like relaxation movie if I were to say that Pocoroso had one big flaw though I think that it's like it's solidly in got a foot in both camps of this movie is not a this movie is not a movie you would take your kids to necessarily not because they might not enjoy it but because it's not how should I put this it's about ex Italian airmen basically like it's a, like wayward ex Italian airmen in like a very specific setting. That is like very not linked to any one country. Mostly it's linked to this one hotel. Um, but it's a it's an odd movie because especially small, it's not it's it's not especially consequential in many ways, and it has this kind of like mystery end that that's like and then and then just this happened and it's. I find it really interesting, especially watching it now, because it has just some beautiful shots. It has beautiful atmospheric moments of animation. It has really complex, like cool, like moments of animation that are very clearly like Studio Ghibli is here and they're 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 just ready to do it. But especially the Sky Pirates. Um, especially the um the mama the mama aruda gang boss seem kind of like they're in a different movie and granted i did watch this dubbed i didn't watch it subtitled i tried i tried to watch it i tried to watch this movie fucking three times unsuccessfully just 
I tried to watch it three times unsuccessfully. And the reason why I tried to watch it three times unsuccessfully is because I tried to watch it once on HBO Max, because I have HBO Max. And I was like, oh, they have them all there. I'll just go there and watch it. If it's subtitled, I'll watch it subtitled. I don't have a problem with that. The subtitles were delayed a full minute from what the characters were saying. And then I tried to watch it out of my own personal um, digital collection. And first time that didn't really go well. Like, I had to update my server. And then, actually, I've tried to watch it twice on um, the on HBO, and it just didn't. It was just like, nope, this is not this is not for you, man. Because um, I tried to watch it on two different screens, and it didn't go well. Um, not at the same time, but, like, I tried to watch it in th- my home theater. It was screwed. I tried to watch it on my TV. It was still screwed. <laughs> um, so, I... So I I finally watched this movie. I watched it dubbed because that's how I had it by default, and I was perfectly fine with it. And the thing we all forget about Studio Ghibli movies is like the dubbed characters came to them, like they like people like like the famous actors who are in Studio Ghibli movies all the time, like Billy Bob Thornton. Like, came to them eventually. And Billy Bob Thornton is, like, I think I've told this, said this before on this podcast, but he is essentially does all the Studio Ghibli movies. So, like, his kids and grandkids and, like, it's like his younger members of his family will have something to watch him in where he's not a shitbag. Which is hilarious because he's, like, my agent bought this to me and I initially didn't want him, he was talking about it in, um a Prince Monoki interview and he goes my agent brought this movie to me and I initially didn't want to do it because I've never done anything like this and he said you're probably pretty good at it because you're a drummer you were a professional drummer for years and musicians tend to be kind of intuitively really good at matching the beats of people talking so they can voice act pretty well just out of the gate if you want proof of that Um, MTV had this little, I forget what it was called exactly, but I know that the one standout one was a film called Volcano High, which I think is actually the same film name, In but it, it, it's like a, it's a Japanese high school, like, fighting drama movie. And what they did was they went and get, they got the rights to all these movies and they said, but we want to dub them ourselves. And then they brought in, like, a-list hip-hop stars to play the characters and it kind of played like no other dub job you've ever seen especially in live action because they are on point they like go out of their way to like match the lip flaps and get it goddamn done and it's perfect it's perfect in the way that you usually expect of western cartoons and often the reason why i say western cartoons is because Western cartoons are made differently than East a- than like Japanese or East Asian um, animations are in terms of process. Western cartoons, oftentimes, what they'll be doing is they'll be voice acting to the storyboards, maybe. 
And so what that means is, is that the animators go in with the soundtrack and animate to and like adjust things to that soundtrack. That's why when you see like SpongeBob's lift move, he's like that means he's talking, and that's a very specific formula that comes out of the original form of animation, which is you animate to a soundtrack somehow. And that's when you see really slick like animation do a certain thing on a certain beat. That's what's happening there. In Japan, they animate entirely. And this is largely due to, um, due to time restraints. Um, but they animate the entire thing and then it goes out for dubbing, which is why oftentimes in anime, you'll see, especially when you watch the original, the original, um, Japanese language dub, you won't, they won't kind of care about lip flaps so much. Because they don't, that's just not what they're after. And that's fine. You can, that's, it's close enough where it's not like, it's full on Godzilla territory, but it's still, it's just different. But when that process is, they're animating lip flaps that look like they fit to the Japanese language, and then you totally screw up the timing of an English dub situation, it goes really bad really quickly. The other thing that that they do in this movie is, like I said earlier, like Mama, like the Mama Arita gang boss and all the gang members are like big old meatheads. They're standard Studio Ghibli meatheads. Think about the like standard Studio Ghibli meatheads you see in kind of every Studio Ghibli movie, like a beard big and like overly muscly like almost looks overweight but isn't overweight um like it's all just big old like bara style muscle and the problem there is that most of this movie is this movie takes place in the 1930s um where and it, it centers kind of like in the country area of Italy. And most, if not all, most of the characters are either air pirates or um, ex-Italian um, ex -Italian Air Force member, member from the 1930s, including Pocoroso. The, the main character of the movie. And that makes it feel a little goofy when the characters are a little goofy. And like I said, I know I was watching a dub. I know I'm watching an early Ghibli dub. And that... That comes with a whole... I, I know I'm watching an early Ghibli dub that doesn't have the, like, trappings or seriousness feel necessarily... Of something like Princess Mononoke. Where like you look at that movie. And you're like oh we can't fuck with this. Like we can't. This can't be fun and cutesy. They're running around cutting off. Like cutting off giant god's heads. It's a whole thing. But here there's like some cutesy moments. That take you away from the like very early 30s. Film noir aesthetic that this whole movie is going after. 
And I just I I think the movie's like tone could have been helped if maybe the dub was slightly altered. I mean it's still fun. I'm not necessarily totally complaining, but it just especially with the Sky Pirates, it like you notice it. I will say you totally notice it. Um and then so you have you have Porco Rosso, the main character, who, in kind of like, of course this happens, it's a Ghibli movie, but I kind of like that they don't explain it fucking ever. Um, he has a curse on him that makes him look like a pig. And so he, like, always wears, like, a like a um, pilot getup, or oftentimes he'll, he'll wear, like, a tan suit. Or, like, a tan suit with a tan trench coat over it. And, like, a, a comforting hat. And he wears these big old round sunglasses constantly. Although you see him sometimes without them. And he... He is just, like, living his life as, like, a gun for hire. And he lives in this little cove island, which is great. And then, one day, the, all the different sky pirates in the area are like, we gotta deal with this guy, he's got a piece of shit. And the entire time, there's this character named Gina. And, or Gina. And Gina is... Gina is like this very standard, like I said, film noir beauty. And they do a lot of things in this movie to like give you this film noir look and feel that you wouldn't but still but still feels like a Ghibli movie um that match up surprisingly well like stunningly well actually and if you've got two eyeballs in your head you can tell that Gina's like got a thing for Porcaroso and like she's like it doesn't care that he's a pig would would love it if he turned back into a normal person, but, like, doesn't care that he's a pig at all. And all she wants is for him to, like, come and sweep her off her feet. and never does. And the movie later suggests that, like, he is completely oblivious. He was completely oblivious to that fact. But the movie introduces this character, this American character, who in the dub is, of course, and it's totally deserved. This is like them. This is like a like an American dubbing team making the right call, and that call is they made Donald Curtis, the American ace fighter pilot, be from Texas. If Donald Curtis is a piece of shit. Donald. <laughs> Donald Curtis is like a well-meaning idiot piece of shit, is what I will say. He is like so easy. He's not. He's not easy to hate, but he's easy to be annoyed by the existence of, because he's the kind of guy. The way I'll put it is, he's an early version of the trope of like womanizing character that um. Zenitsu is in Demon Slayer. If you've never... If you've seen Demon Slayer. He like... 
sees women and immediately is like, oh, you're pretty. I'm going to propose to you. That That's his opener, and it sucks. Um, and the other thing is, like, it's not one woman. If it was, like, only one woman, if this was, like, a Fujiko scenario where, like, the only person he aimed his, like, affection towards were Fujiko, then it would be better. It would work much the way Lupin and Fujiko work, or much the way Fujiko works in, um, the... In the show Lupin, which if you've never seen Lupin, the deal is that, like, no, I want to say, and I could be very wrong, but I Monkey Punch, before he died, said this, like, I try and focus all the sexualization on one character who also makes clear use of that sexualization to, like, fucking take advantage of people. So it's less of a, so Fujiko's, like, representation is less of a, like, leering camera feel. It's more of a, she's entirely in control of how you, the viewer, and everyone else is seeing her at all times. And that's kind of what Gina feels like as a character. But the difference is that in Lupin Third, when um, Lupin's being horny... He's not being horny towards anyone except for Fujiko. Like, it's clear that, like, Lupin has feelings for Fujiko. And it's clear that Fujiko cares for Lupin, but, like, she's also a manipulative. And you find out in, um, the Lupin the Third saying that's all about Fujiko's path. She's a deeply manipulative and deeply broken individual. <laughs> so, like, when she gets there, there's like a stopping point and she can't she can't get past it lots of times. But um in the case of Donald Curtis, he's like, ooh, pretty lady opening move, proposal. And then at some point, Donald Curtis sells his and this is important for later, sells his like quote unquote story about being a, like, Scott, about being a, like, protector, um, about being, like, a sky captain to a Hollywood producer, like, he sends it to a Hollywood producer, and it's totally fictional bullshit, but it's, like, it, it's what a guy like Donald Curtis would fucking do. He wouldn't tell somebody, like, hey, I wanted you to make a movie about me being a, like, you know, about me being muscle for Sky Gangs, I'm I'm gonna pitch myself as like Captain Donald Curtis kind of bullshit, and they like and they and they're like, oh, we really like your story. We want to produce a movie about it. And so that's the next thing he does after he meets Gina and Gina's like, fuck, fuck this guy. I'm not gonna. I I'm going to use his marriage proposal to see if I can't like get a date out of fucking Porco. And when that doesn't work, she's just like, ah, oh, god damn it. Like, she, she's a dumbass, and she moves on. And one of the undercurrents of this is this movie is taking place in the like time of fascist Italy. And there's a moment when, Poker, when, when Porco Rosso says 
to somebody in the movie, and it's a pretty famous. It's probably the most famous line from this movie. He just straight up said, "Like I'd rather be a pig than a fascist," and you get the understanding from that line that Porcaroso abandoned the military. Like he at some point became disillusioned and abandoned the, the military. And they talk about when that precisely was later. And one of the nice things about this movie is that there's like lots of mysterious parts about it, but the parts that truly matter that are like that have that have weight in the story are entirely fleshed out. So it's not like you're wandering it's not like you're wandering through this movie and nothing makes sense. The stuff that matters makes sense. The stuff that they're telling you don't doesn't. Like it doesn't matter what Porcaroso looked like as a it matters enough what Porcaroso looks like as a real man, as like a human. They show you his they show you a scribbled out version of his face. Well, you can clearly see it. Like, you can clearly still see his face. And you understand, like, oh, that's what the guy used to look like. But when he turns back into a human, they don't care about what his face looks like. And neither should you. That's not the point. That's not the point at which the movie is... And it's, like, in the character progression or the plot progression. So, then it's, like, you never see him as a real person. Which is a really interesting, kind of cool choice. And so you get Don- Donald Curtis, and Donald Curtis gets a, like a hot head over Porcaroso. Basically, Donald walks into a situation in which he has no understanding of the past, the present, or any of it. He's just like, pretty girl. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to make her mine. To which everybody, everybody is like, you fucking dumbass. Everybody knows that, like, we all hate Porcaroso, but we know Gina likes him a lot. Like, Gina has a thing for him. So, like, we never actually kill him because we like drinking here. And if we killed him, she would kill us. Somehow, she'd put something on our drinks and we wouldn't wake up. Um, but he's just so persistent that eventually he gets pissed off at Porcaroso for, like, having all of Gina's attention. Because, and this is a really key point, she's the only pretty lady in the vicinity. And I want to be clear, like, she's the only pretty lady in in the vicinity. In like the she's one of two female characters in this in this um, movie, and that's kind of on purpose. That's kind of on purpose, but actually, she's not one of two female characters in this movie. We'll get to the female like run freaking airplane shop in a minute, but he gets into a dogfight. Gets into a dogfight with um, Pocaroso and shoots Pocaroso down. And he's like all proud of himself. It's like, yeah, I won. My rival dead. I did the right thing. I'm the American hero. 
Um, and Gina's freaked out because she thinks Pork Rose is dead until she gets a call from him. Um, and he's like, I got shot down on my way to, um, I forget where he was going. I think he was going to, like, Catania or something. Um, but he gets shot down on his way there, but in the dogfight with Donald. And he, and I want to say here, like, none of this macho machismo bullshit is in any way glam, truly glamorized. Like, it's seen as, like, when you see Pocoroso living, like, an easy life, you see it as, like, a, like, a guy living, living his best life. But when you see him working, his, like, plane doesn't work. He, like, they have stupid arguments. Stupid, like, macho against macho arguments using, um, light signaling, which is hilarious. Um, and it's not glamorized at all. It's not meant to be, like, cool, macho, it's like, wish fulfillment. It's meant to be, like, these guys fucked up at some point. Now they're here. <laughs> which I really appreciate because it's, like, a quiet... A quiet at first, but then very loud by the end of the movie... Um, opinion of this movie is like, uh, like at this point in time, guys sucked. Like, like dudes were bad, <laughs> and wi- and women have got their shit together in a way that like dudes just don't. And like, it... so Poker also gets shot down, and he's got. Like, he got and he goes to where he was gonna go for vacation. He's like, I gotta get my plane fixed. And he goes to um, this old guy who they, the movie calls Grandpa Piccolo. And Grandpa Piccolo was the person who was is the son of the person who designed Pocarosa's plane originally. And he sees that that Grandpa Piccolo that. Old Man Piccolo, hilarious, just, just thinking of old Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z, but he's very much not that. Um, the Old Man Piccolo has a granddaughter who's working for him. He's like, first off, keep your hands off her, you fucking pig, literally and figuratively. Um, she's my granddaughter. She's going to design and build it. And Pocahontas is starting to leave. And then... There's some very explicit sexism in this movie that's on display because, like, they want to make the point that, like, guys suck and guys in the 30s suck. But they also make this, they make this very clear point. Pocoroso is, like, passively sexist often. For, for a bunch of, like, named and unnamed reasons. In a way that you see Donald Curtis be, like, actively a sexist, gross asshole. So, um, what ends up happening is... Um, Piccolo's daughter, Theo, Piccolo Theo, um, they just call him Grandpa, they don't call him, um... They don't give his... I don't think they give his name. But, um, Piccolo Fio, the, the daughter, Fio for, Fio for the purposes of the movie, 
like stays up all night designing his plane and like he sees this and he's like he, you, if you want to build it if you want to oversee the build you have to do one thing for me like eat something and go to sleep and in that moment you see this kind of like soft kind understanding version of this character who has kind of always been like kind of a nonchalant big guy um and you go and you see that really throughout this entire movie you see that Polcaroso it's not only that he's a pig it's that he's like he's outside of all the other people in the movie maybe with the exception with the exception of the two female main cast members Theo and Gina He's not really close to anybody else. He exists in this body that's not normal. He does... He does this... He's very good at what he does. He does it for a lot of money. And... Like, he has a small group of friends and people who know him. But for the most part, he's just kind of, like, quietly just doing his thing. It's like, he's not an action hero. And... For, mo for much of the movie, you're wondering, like, what, like, how did this guy come to exist this way? And then at some point, Theo, after she decides to tag along with him because the, um, the fascist secret police were coming to find him. And at which point, Grandpa Piccolo and his, in his like, entire factory of, I shit you not, this is so great. Only female workers. Like his entire family works in this um, factory building plane. And it's only female workers. And it's like only like hilarious Italian women just building this plane for him. They all help him escape. And Theo goes with him because she wants to make adjustments and make sure his plane runs well. Because it's their first job. And also as an excuse to the fascist police so the, her entire family doesn't go to jail. Including her. Um, but, so he, so he escapes and they go back to kind of like the like island hopping standard saying. But, and he returns and Donald Curtis is like, you still alive? He's like, yeah, I'm still alive, asshole. And he does a flyby, he does a flyby of Gina's garden, and Gina's like, ah, he didn't stop. This sucks. And the sky pirates like wait are waiting, are like living in a tent on his island, even though he has a house. They could, if they wanted to be real assholes, they would have just stayed in his house and eaten his food. Um, but they're waiting in a tent, and they. All like say we're gonna get you now. We're gonna fuck up your plane. And Theo uses like her cute girl face to be like, please don't fuck up his plane. I just built it. I'm really proud of it. Please no. And like, oh, you're not you're not Pocaroso. You're like a normal person. We'll we'll not be assholes because we want to not be assholes. Um, and she does guilt them in it. Guilt them into it. Like, what would your mother say? Kind of bullshit. Um, 
But then Donald Curtis um, challenges challenges Porcarosa to a duel, to a to a race, to a duel and a race, to a sky duel, basically. And he sees Fio, and this is where you get this is this. First off, this movie is this movie fair feels fairly short, mostly because of all the like mystery in it that just doesn't get answered. Um. And he challenges Pokerosa to a race and selects his prize, something that, once again, was not offered. He selects his prize, the Fio's hand in marriage, because she's the pretty girl in the room. And, he, he's, and he's just like, God damn it, why are you doing this, you sexist piece of shit, please stop. She's my friend's granddaughter, you fucking asshole. And she but but Theo agrees. And instead of like not offering anything in return, cause like Pokerosa wanted nothing to do with this, but now he's like in it because Theo is contracted. Theo's like if you if Pokerosa beats you, you have to pay his bill. And the, the joke is that, like, Pokerosa's bill is massive from having this plane redesigned and rebuilt. But, he's like, even, even, um, Donald's like, oh, fuck, these, these prices are way too high, Jesus. And, like, long come to short, Pokerosa eventually wins and the movie ends, but in the middle there... Pokerosa tells this, tells um, Theo this story before the um, tournament happens about when he was still in the military and when they were all shot down. And it's, it doesn't feel like they were all shot down, but it's clear that they were all shot down. And he was in, like, he's very clearly in, like, air pilot purgatory and he sees all of his friends, all of his, like, all of his, like, airmen buddies float up to the afterlife. And he doesn't. He comes back down. And it's, I, it's, I think it's alluded that in exchange he's become a pig. Because he'd become essentially a pig of war. A, like a hog of war kind of thing. And... He just like it, everybody who was a good person, like, left. Everybody who was a good person died, including Gina's husband, including you know like better, much better men than me. And you see what's there. You see, you see the thing that a keeps him a pig, but b makes him kind of constantly cranky. And it's it's a combination of clearly uh, PTSD and also, like... I have met at this point a bunch of people who have done their time in um, the Armed Forces for America. And tons of people sign up for the Armed Forces. But once they're in it, once they're in the army, 
there's no going back. They're deployed. You know, they, they see friends die. They see just the, like, fucked upness of the bureaucracy of the army. And they come to the conclusion that pe- that lots of pacifists, including myself, are, that, like, this is fucked. Why are we killing each other over this shit? It's not worth it. Like, what, like... Like, war and all of this bullshit isn't isn't the point. And it gives them this bitterness. It gives them this bitterness and this brokenness that it takes a long time to come back from. And the beginning of it looks different for everybody. And really what this movie is, is it's the last couple days, it's like the last couple weeks before... Pocoroso begins to be a real person again. And it and it could have been and it could have been years before it could, it would probably years since he was that person last. And it's very clear that like all of the people here have just decided like they they don't have much in common, but the thing that they do have in common they just decided not to, like, not to play the game anymore. And one of the, like, one of the, once again, I keep coming back to Donald because he, like, stands out like a sore thumb. One of the things about Don, the character of Donald Curtis is, like, he's still very much into playing that game. Like, he, he's not here because the world has disappointed him. Because if you look at Gina, if you look at, um, if you look at Porcaroso, if you look at Gina, if you look at all the Sky Pirates, they're here because the world has disappointed them. Because the option of living in Italy, of living in like mainland Italy currently, is so abhorrent to them that they would ra- they would rather. Like, live in a hut on an island as a pig, then go back and, like, serve in the military and probably have an okay life. And oftentimes that happens to people when they get deep into something like, say, you know, like a a company or a... or the military or something, and then something happens where they realize that they were mistaken on what the rules are. Um, you know, I stopped working as a designer, as a, like, designer, like, wandering gun for hire kind of thing, as a freelance designer, because too many things started going against me that I had no control over. And, like, I didn't do everything right, but that doesn't mean that the way I was living as that doing that, something that I still, I was very good at, I'm still very good at, but I didn't want to do it in the conditions being offered. So I walked away from it. And the difference between somebody like, um, the difference between somebody like, say, Porcaroso and, um, say, me, is that I looked at 
where I was, and I said, "I this will burn me out. I, I don't want to give this. I don't want to give this. To, I don't want to give that to this. I don't want to give that all that effort to this. It's not worth it to me." So I walked away, and I do something literally totally, for the most part, totally different now. But not everybody sees that in time, and oftentimes, especially with like the military. They have lots of incentives. And like. The the thing I really love about this movie. Is that. Nobody's 20 in this in this film. Nobody's like in the only person who's like a young person in this movie is Theo. There are people who are foolish or like crazy or, like, give no shits. But, like, when you look at even... You look at, like, side... Like, supporting characters, like... The Mama Arida gang boss. He's, like, a dopey 30-year-old. He's, like... <sighs> I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna say something that just occurred to me. He's kind of like... What if... Studio Ghibli created a version of... Like, a Wild Bunch version of... Um, Vinny Caravella... From Giant Bomb. And. The most foolish person in the movie by far is. Is Donald Curtis. And. But everybody else like Gina. Porco Rosso. Certainly. Grandpa Piccolo. Are all like. Older and like they. They have clear disagreements with the world. They have clear experience in the world. And that has changed them in really marketable ways. But the way the movie ends is probably the most interesting, the most affirming of what this movie kind of wants to say about, like, about men who have been through like traumatic experiences in war and women who want to be who have been through similar um and that is that the end of the movie is that Gina is is that Gina doesn't get to see Porcaroso's real face again and he leaves Fia with Gina as he diverts the Italian Air Force, uh, diverts the Italian Navy by distracting them with Donald Curtis after they have a big fucking boxing match in the, um, on the shallow coast in the ocean. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, and he just kind of rides off in the sunset and vanishes. And he, and that's him keeping on his journey. That's him moving on from his old life, from his old mistakes, from all of that stuff. But what the movie goes on to say is it goes on to say that, like, Fio and Gina were friends for the rest of their lives. And that, you know, Fio spent her and spent every summer at Gina's hotel. Like, Gina's cool-ass floating hotel. And what this movie ends up really focusing on is the two female characters. 
But yes, Pocoroso is the main character and the movie revolves around him in some ways, but it doesn't leave you with that. The last character you hear from in the movie is Fio. And she says like, and sure enough, Donald Kurtz became a big Hollywood star. We never talked to him again because he still sucks, but he became a big Hollywood star. And that combined with the like very like atmospheric, vibey feel of this movie is really kind of a fun, soft, like hour and a half. And the other thing is that this movie is an hour and a half, so it doesn't it's not it doesn't have the time to be this epic. It doesn't have the time to really even be a big sprawling adventure movie. And I think that's very important because that keeps it in this small in this like range of a small, very adult feeling film. Like you can watch this as a kid and you can get a lot out of it, but it's not it doesn't feel like it's made for kids. It feels like it's like kids can watch it, but it's made for adults. And that there'll be something there for everybody, but it's not but it's not the primary purpose is not children's entertainment. And you still get people who say like anime like what do you mean the ja- the anime? You mean the Japanese cartoons? That's just like kids stuff or porn, right? And it's very much not that. A lot of it is. A lot of it that you don't see is like Doraemon, which is just a kid's show. But a lot of it is also like jobless reincarnation. A lot of it is, you know, Princess Jellyfish. A lot of it is these big, these thoughtful, small or big things about the world that are made for an audience that's not like, you know, in grade school anymore. And it's one of the reasons why I think Porcaroso isn't necessarily as popular as, say, something like Princess Mononoke or something like, um, or something like, what's it called? Something like, um, Spirit Away is because Spirit Away is so solidly in the camp of, like, this is an all-agent family movie. This is... This is the knockout of the park. Also, Spirit Away is the it's the anime thing that that got an Oscar. So like, it's the one people watch. And Princess Mononoke is like the big, bombastic, epic with things to say about the environment and society and you know what a villain looks like, what a hero can look like, all that stuff. And I think that what well, and I'm gonna amends what I said in the beginning. I think that, like, the childish whimsy of this movie is what I would see as, like, not the best part of it, but it's also the part of it that lets it be what it is and be honestly... and be and be honest about it. And I've read through some of the, um... And this is where I'll leave it, but, um... I read through some of the Rotten Tomato... Um, reviews because um, in in Plex they have Rotten Tomato reviews and that's I use Plex to do all my to do all my stuff. 
to do all my like private digital collection stuff because I can and it's nice. Um, but um, this one Rotten Tomato review and much of the reviews are like glowing and awesome and like they're certified fresh. But there's this one Rotten Tomato review and I won't. It's from Film Real Reviews. It's from Real Film Reviews. Um, and it says, A near miss that nevertheless fares better than most of Miyazaki's output. And I think it's right. I, I think that's just a person who's not like in it for this movie. They're just not in it for this kind of story. They're like... It's not what... It's not... First off, that that, that review sounds like a, that person would never be satisfied with a Miyazaki movie. It's just the way it goes. But... I think people have this expectation of the kind of story that either you have to tell in anime... Or the kind of stories that, you, that anime is best for. And this movie is kind of a demonstration of like, no. You want to tell an odd story about a, you know, a, a odd film noir story about a flying pig? Go for it. Go for it. You know, it... So much of what people think about as the, like, rules of anime... Or, like, what makes a good anime or what makes a good, um... What makes a good anime? They associate with anime as a genre. But that's wrong. Anime isn't a genre. Anime is simply animation from a certain part of the world. And that... Means that it's a medium. Just like... Animation from America, or animation from France, or animation from anywhere in the world. Um, and if you're doing something in a medium, it's always possible. Like, you can, people have made tons of different kinds of movies, and people don't expect anything le more or less out of them than that. But because you're working in animation, and you're like working with certain color palettes and, like, styles. People look at, like, a pig in an apron wearing sunglasses with, like, a floppy hairstyle and floppy ears and a little, like, Italian mustache. And they're like, oh, this, this has to be for kids. No, it doesn't. It's all about context. It's all about, you know, direction, framing, understanding, all that shit. And... You, you have to get, you, if you give Porcaroso nothing, and you should give it a ton, you should give it your time and your eyeballs, um, then you should give it the fact that it's doing something with the medium that's not often done. And it's doing it for an, for an audience that, you wouldn't expect. On that note, if you like this podcast, new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is like what you just heard. It's all about like specific shows or movies or properties. Um, next week, 
we will um will be the first episode next week Thursday episode will be the first um episode that's not in movie May. So what you will so what will happen is you'll be hearing an episode all about that time I got reincarnated as a slime because I dropped myself into that show and I've watched most of it. <laughs> um, most all of it that's out at least. Um, but if you're interested in hearing the other three episodes of the four episodes of Movie May, I encourage you to go do that. You can go do that in whatever app you're using to listen to this right now. There are the previous episodes in the feed. And Sunday editions come out at this point every other Sunday. And they're more metatextual. They are more um, thoughtful about the industry, about the medium, about the fandom. Um, if you want a great example of that, I really, once again, encourage you to go listen to the Sunday edition entitled Sunday Edition Under the Influence, which is all about um, particularly Tokyo Revengers. And it's like cool fashion influence, particularly from the direction of the creator of shows like Nana and Paradise Kiss and Neighborhood Stories, um, Ayazawa. But definitely go check those out in the feed. And I will talk to you next Thursday. Porco Rosso, Miyazaki's soaring action adventure of a valiant pilot. Here we go. It is Porco. Transformed by a mysterious spell. I only look out for myself. And his heroic battles to rid the skies of notorious pirates. Slice of the bacon! Full of courage and humor. I'll tell everyone you're a chicken! Chicken? Pig? What's the difference? <laughs> Take flight with the incredible Porco Rosso.